Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. We're the Dad Fathers, and we're coming at you with some speedy energy. Go, speed, go! Go, speed, go! Uh, tonight, we are unfortunately not joined by Dan, who really wanted to do this. And I said that because that was his parting line to us. Dan's on vacation. He valiantly tried to record from his car. In front of a library. Trying to get that <laughs> Wi-Fi. And it just didn't work <laughs> out. But Dan, this is going out to you, man. I know you like this movie and I feel kind of alone because <laughs> I know you like it so much and I was really relying on your support. Uh, we really yeah, just need I, to fund our libraries better so they can get better Wi-Fi. I mean, like, come on. Like, we've got gig Wi-Fi in our houses. We should have it in our... We have. We should have, like, five gigabit Wi-Fi at our... At our libraries. That's there what I should say. be there should be government funded Wi-Fi so that way the CD Wi-Fi dealers that Dan had to meet in the parking lot of a library aren't the sole <laughs> like source of Wi-Fi for him. Legalize it. Legalize <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> Legalize. Legalize Wi-Fi, and then you can tax it. Get some government revenues. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you, that that's sweet right. Wi-Fi tax. Nobody talks about that enough. No one talks about the Wi-Fi tax. It's just enough. it's a hundred bucks off your tax return every year. Just a fun government whiffy. <laughs> but the reason I was apprehensive about this is that we're this is a third entry in our cars series, our car movies series. Sorry, pardon me. We're not doing all three cars movies. We did we did the one. We did cars from Pixar as one episode, and we're doing four episodes. So you have about. Two, cars not about the cars cars but about other cars i'm just trying to make this as clumsy as possible <laughs> i think I'm doing it's it it's you've succeeded it's there <laughs> uh but this is speed racer from 2008 um written produced directed by the wachowskis based on the 1960s anime and manga of the same name this is coming to us real quick from a uh, mega action movie producer joel silver and i just i just want to mention joel silver real quick because this man he produced 48 Hours, Commando, Lethal Weapon, Predator, Die Hard, Roadhouse, Lethal Weapon, and Die Hard 2, Predator 2. Uh, he is what we think of when we think of like action movies from the 80s and 90s. Mm. And he first collaborated with the Wachowskis on The Matrix. Um, he has since gone on to produce all those. And he's, he's continued to work all the way up until uh, 2018, um, which is, I think, one of his last like notable credits. But he still has some uh, some executive producer credits, some of which have not been, you know, made yet. We'll see how long he keeps working. He's been around for a long time. But the second producer I wanted to mention, and I wanted this for you guys' input here. This, this is a man named Grant Hill. Okay? Grant Hill. This name is familiar. <laughs> it's because he is known for his collaborations with director Terrence Malick. Whoa! <laughs> and he has produced, for instance, for Terrence Malick, he has produced um, Thin Red Line and Tree of Life. And a hidden life. Totally makes sense. But he also produced The Crow, Street Fighter, <laughs> Titanic, V for Vendetta, and uh, uh, numerous other Wachowski products. Um, wow. This is a weird... Who, who is this guy? Well, he's got a very... Um, I mean, you can definitely tell. Like, I mean, nothing seems to be more similar than A Hidden Life and Speed Racer. I mean, you can definitely and see the crow. That they are talking to yeah. each other in the crow. Or, or you guys remember that movie Ninja Assassin from, from oh, 2009? Yeah, yeah uh -huh. produced that one too. I, oh, I don't remember. And the next, it, and next two, in two years after that, he does Tree of Life. You know, two very similar films. Wow. You know what? If I was a producer, I think I would have both of those extremes right there. Because I really want to get those really big, fun action movies produced, but also be like, all right. 
now it's time to do something with artistic integrity. So you turn to Terrence Malick and you're like, I'm sure you have something, sir. <laughs> it's going to be dinosaurs. It's going to be like a father-son, daughter-son kind of thing. We're going to trip trap and forth to get about time. I'm going to talk about creation for a lot of it. Kind of a non-linear structure, really long. What were you going to say about Terrence Malick? Uh, I, I want to get you on the record. <laughs> he's kind of like the action movie esoteric. Uh, the, no, I don't I, I, I can't. Uh. You were saying words there, and I was following some of them for a little bit. I was definitely putting together that they were words. I'm going to go ahead and move right on. <laughs> if you say so. If you say so. Um, th- that's go, the- Speed Racer, go! <laughs> Every time we want to just get out of something. <laughs> go, Speed, go! Go, Speed, go! Um, so it was also produced by the Wachowskis, written. Uh, of course, you know the Wachowskis from the Matrix movies. There are now many of them. Um, they produced also V for Vendetta and they made a lot of movies that are, you know, people like more or less or they hate or they don't or they think they're masterpieces. Controversial figures. Controversial figures. Yep. It's starring Emile Hirsch, a man who is kind of in kind of in, I don't know, cultural movie jail for a little bit. Yeah. He assaulted a producer. Um, he attacked her and tried to strangle her. Uh, later on, he said that the combination of um, uppers and alcohol he was on made him not remember the whole thing. When did this oh, happen? Uh, just a couple years ago. Yeah, it was like 2015 oh. or something hmm. like that. And that's oh, where so that's where he's ago. been. Yeah, yeah, that's where he's been. Uh, but um, he has uh, been on this podcast before. He was on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he played Joe or right. Jay Sebring. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I forgot he was in that. Good call. Um, I, I kind of hope he comes back. I mean, he, he 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 did his service, like he sent his community service, and and he he, he did. Whatever reparation he had to do, I hope that, you know, his life's on a better track. He's a great actor, and I love seeing him. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't strangle people. Yeah, that's not, never a good thing. <laughs> Word of the wise. Yeah. Uh, but before this, you know, he he had gotten his his kind of bigger break um, in Alpha Dog. He's fantastic in Alpha Dog, a movie that's really difficult to watch. But he's also fantastic in another difficult-to-watch movie, Into the Wild. Into that, the Wild. Yeah. I, I kind of want to talk about that someday. Yeah, I'd be down. I remember that was, mm. like, it was huge for a while. Yeah, a lot of people replicating the Christopher McCandles hike to the bus. Um, but he's also in Lone Survivor, which I think maybe people remember him in. Also another difficult-to-watch one. He just yeah. does a bunch of difficult-to-watch movies. I think he's a serious... He, that's why I always liked him. He always had a, an air of, of seriousness. He treated what he was doing as important. Um, but we also have Christina Ricci, who recently revealed that she was in an incredibly abusive relationship with her ex-husband and that came out in like 2020. Whoa, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And she has since remarried and seems like she's got a good, a good family. Um, so poor Christina Ricci. I remember her as Wednesday from the Adams family movies. Yeah. She was terrifying and funny, but I also remember her from Casper. Do you guys remember the, the Casper movie from the nineties? Like Casper oh, yeah. the friendly ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a great nineties movie. It is. It is. From what I remember. I remember. The- I remember yeah. I remember, I remember when, being when the slightly priest, bored by it, but yeah. Remember when the priest walks in the house and then <laughs> and the ghosts are trying to scare all the priests and they turn the cross upside down, they turn his head like around and they yell at him to get out. And he walks out like backwards with his head on backwards and it's like, nope, don't go in there. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but she's kind of making a comeback recently because she's in that, that new TV show, Yellow Jackets, that's been getting a lot of attention. Yeah. Want to check that one out. Right. Um, what is Yellow Jackets like? You, you're, you just name dropped the show without even telling anybody what it's about. 
I, I haven't really seen it, but what I know is that I think it's like a, a group of like cheerleaders or something in high school get get in a plane wreck and get dropped off and they have to like create uh what what's that uh, Lord of the Flies kind of comedy. Yeah, yeah. But then the show is told in retrospect, so you know which ones get out. Yeah. And you know that many of them do not. And that's that's kind of cool. I'd like to see yeah. a modern Lord of that the Flies. That sounds fascinating. I'll watch that. Yeah, apparently it's up for a bunch of Emmys this year too. Let me um, see it's on the Roku channel, so I I don't have Roku. I don't know how I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I thought it was on like Showtime. Or I think it's a like Showtime that. show. Yeah. 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 Uh, but speaking about like Lord of the Flies and stuff, it's kind of got like lost vibes. Like another person who's in this movie, Matthew Fox, mm. who was Jack. Yeah. The doctor. Mm-hmm. The star. Lost. He was a star. Jack Shepard. That's right. Jack Shepard. That's right. <laughs> Love that show. He's great in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if but he's of course we get, it, but he's something. He's all I, right. I do want to say I do want to say we have to uh you know you can guess who it is, but it's a mild spoiler. Oh, oh yeah, you can't right, reveal his role if you yeah. haven't seen this movie. That's right. I guess. I mean half is I mean it's better. <laughs> <laughs> uh we also have John Goodman. Okay, this is John Goodman's first time on the show. We have mentioned him in Co- when we did the Godzilla versus Kong cuz he's in Kong Skull Island, but I am shocked that this is the first time John Goodman's here, right? Because we've this... done entirely too few Coen Brothers movies. That's why. <laughs> yeah, he's only done like four. <laughs> <laughs> because we've done too few. We've only done one. Oh, I see what you're saying. I mean, he's in like half of them. We've done two. We did True Grit and we did oh, Fargo. That's right. We did True Grit. Is he? No, he's not. No, he's in Ocean's. He's in uh, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's in that's... Oh Brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Barton Fink and um, Raising Arizona. And is he in the Hudsucker Proxy? I don't know. I actually haven't seen the Hudsucker Proxy. I haven't either. That's like the like. An no, he's outlier. in um uh, uh the dude um Big Lebowski. He's in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Walter, mm-hmm. Walter Subcheck. Yeah, who doesn't roll on fucking Shabbos? <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, what's your favorite? What's your favorite uh, John Goodman performance? Sorry, let me look at everything that he's been in because he's been in so much. Uh, he's he also voices Sully in Monsters Incorporated. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so have we done Monsters Incorporated? Been... I don't know. Mm. All right, sorry. I'm I'm, looking, I'm trying to look through his filmography here. It is massive. This guy is yeah. basically in everything, except in the almost 100 episodes that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we picked There's movies at least John Goodman was not in that he's not in. <laughs> uh, yeah, we mentioned Kong's Skull Island. He's... At Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, Dan really wants to do that one, and I and I agree. I, I think that's a really good performance. Oh, he's also in Argo. Liked him in Argo too. Argo. Wait, is he in Cars? It, is he in Cars? This says he's in Cars. It can't be a main role. That's got to be like a like a. No, no, he's Sully. He's Sully in the end credits of Cars. That's yeah, what that's what okay. It is. So he has okay, that been on the show. Count. That doesn't count. Though. <laughs> no, it, it really doesn't. I. I mean, like I'm convinced that, of course, I've seen him before in a movie, but I, or sorry, that we've had him before on the show in a movie, but we really haven't. Oh, he also voiced uh, the main character in The Emperor's New Groove, which was a big deal for me. Yeah, yeah. Years ago. That's a great movie. Pacha. Pacha. I was, whenever I think about Emperor's New Groove, I, I do think about his scene, though, when he talks about how when the sun comes up and hits the hills, they just sing. sing. 
But still, my favorite uh, role is in the Big Lebowski. You you can't beat Walter. Walter's fantastic. Why do you make everything carrying such a, a piece, travesty? Making, make sure people don't cross the line. You know, he's great. He is great. I, I love him so much. Like, it, when we do our actor retrospectives, it would be fun to try and find four essential John Goodman performances. <laughs> that would be really fun. Yeah, we should do that one of these days. Yeah. But moving on. Moving yeah. on, if we have nothing else that we want to talk about, I'd like to talk about Susan Sarandon. Real yeah, quick another uh, big name. Yeah, uh, the lovely Susan Sarandon, the very talented Susan Sarandon. Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, she's fantastic in Witches of Eastwick and Bull Durham. Thelma and Louise, which is a movie I really, really want to talk about. Um, the Client, where she's great, but that's a weird-ass movie. Dead Man Walking, which is just like, talk about like taking your heart like it was an egg and then just breaking it into an open skillet of emotion. <laughs> Um, and next year, she'll be seen in the Blue Beetle, the new DC yeah. Comics movie about the the beloved action hero, superhero, the Blue Beetle. I love the Blue Beetle. You guys know about it's the just, Blue Beetle? I, oh, every I've never time he says, like, I Beetle. beetled you. Whenever <laughs> I'm no, he says, I, he says, I blued you. <laughs> <laughs> We don't really do the blank check comedy point system, but if we did, 10 comedy points. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and then just kind of running down just a quick list after that, uh, I did want to shout out my 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 boy, Hiroyuku Sonata, who is mm. here uh, also in, you know, Mortal Kombat and, uh, and some other movies we've mentioned before. And uh, yeah, that's that's actually kind of it. That's kind of it. It's, got, it's a big cast, but a lot of people that are kind of more behind the scenes. There is a guy I do want to, I do want to mention, let me see if I can find him. He is the guy, Jesse, since Mike hasn't seen this movie. Remember in the mummy, in mm-hmm. the beginning of the mummy, Brendan Fraser has that wily friend that double crosses him all the time. And then later when the mummy is yeah. backing him into a corner, he has all the religious talismans and he's holding them up to the mummy to try and ward off the evil and like reciting different prayers in different languages. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 He's the snake racer. Oh. Yeah. What's his name? I'm trying to find it. Snake Oiler. Um, Christian Oliver? Uh, no, I'm not seeing the mummy here. The mummy would definitely be here. I don't know. But that guy. That's a that guy, and I don't know his name. Huh. We'll, we'll call him Snake Oiler. Snake Oiler. Yeah, because the guy that comes up as Snake Oiler is not the right guy. All right. That's all I have for cast and crew. Um, moving into some nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, go, Vito, speed, what you... go, speed, go, speed, go, speed, <laughs> go, go, Vito. Tell us what your nostalgia is. The reason that we're doing this, and I'm so sorry to have dragged you guys through <laughs> two hours and 15 minutes of like eye bleeding Technicolor, but it's, I, I've always loved these, these big racing movies. I've always loved them. I don't even care about racing, but uh, stuff like, uh, what's that Blake Edwards movie? Was it the great race or the amazing race? Do you remember this one? It came out in the sixties. It was like, long ass movie the great race yeah um with jack lemon I, I i love these sorts of movies that are around the world in 80 days oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah, kind yeah. of epic multiple race section movies yes yeah um, they go on a journey there's a time limit we gotta with, get it done with, yeah we gotta get it done I, I i love that because these movies usually lend like they sort of lean really heavily into the beauty of the cars into the motion of the cars and and trying to capture speed on camera, which is really hard. Yeah. Um, to give you relative distance between one thing moving really quickly and one thing staying still. I'm a sucker for car chases in movies. And 
and Speed Racer, I saw it for the first time when I was 17 years old. And it was just a little bit after the movie had come out. Um, it, it, blew, it blew me away. I don't love everything about this movie. In fact, I kind of don't love every time there isn't a race happening. <laughs> hmm. But I've seen this movie a lot. And I, I treasure my disc of it that I've had for 12 years now, 14 years, whatever. And there are moments in this movie that feel like such pure cinema to me, like pure movie making in a way that I think is almost transcendent. And then there's moments that like just bring the whole thing down. And it's amazing to me that it's so wildly uneven between something that brings tears to my eyes and makes me feel something very deeply as a human being and other moments that drift me completely out of it. And I've always had this relationship with this movie where I'm fighting with it all the time between some, it's it, and moments. It's one of my favorite movies ever made and other moments. Like I will just get up and go to the bathroom and I might forget to come back, <laughs> you know? Um, so the first time I saw it, I remember watching it on my portable Blu-ray player back in like 2010 or whatever. And even on my little 10 inch screen, <laughs> it was still so colorful and bright. It, it made an impression on me and I've never seen a movie like this since. And I don't know if I ever will. Uh, my, my deepest regret with this movie is that I didn't see it in theaters. Um, I really wish, I really yeah. wish I could have seen it on the big screen. Else. Just like running, run me over speed racer. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish you'd run me over. I do. Oh. <laughs> um, I might explode into like a thousand blurry lava lines of, of every color imaginable. <laughs> so that's kind of my nostalgia for this movie is that it, it was singular. It was original. And I always wanted the chance to talk about it. And I, I can't wait to talk more about it um, coming up. My nostalgia is that my world was rocked. And ever since then, I've just wanted someone to watch speed racer so i could talk to them about it and no one ever did and i had to make a podcast so that we could talk about speed racer and the whole point of the podcast wait did you grow up like watching the show at all like did you watch the anime my dad watched the anime when he was a kid okay uh and he would always make fun of speed racer because he would always make fun of the poor dubbing yeah you know yeah. where there'd just be like a long moment of silence and then two words in english <laughs> um yeah but no i watched the show i watched the show a good amount but i had no like attachment to speed I didn't okay. know the lore. I didn't know anyone's name. I just knew that he he looked, he looked iconic. You know, he yeah. white in the white car. He had the little bit of blue. A little bit of blue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that's that's where I'm coming from with this one. Uh, who who wants it? Who has who has the next most? I I don't know. Maybe it's me. Uh, I I first I, I remember very distinctly when this movie came out. Um, I remember being pretty excited because you know it's one of the people who made the Matrix. So. Clearly, that's cool, and it's about it's about racing. That sounds awesome. And then I remember like reading Roger Ebert's review, and then just like hearing not so great things about it. So I was like, eh, well, I guess I'm not seeing that one in theaters. And then years later, I saw it as one inevitably does on a plane because this this feels like a real plane movie in some ways. Like, oh, maybe people will kind of like this because it's big and colorful, but not enough people. I, you know, I feel like there is a genre of plane movies, right? It's got to be expensive. You know it's got to be diverting, but it can't be too intense, right? I guess so. You know, I, I haven't fleshed that thought out enough at all in order to continue it. So I'm going to stop right there. There's a genre of plane movies, and I'm stating that as fact. And this is one of them. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this is definitely one of them. I think I plugged my headphones in. 
like, I wasn't even watching it with sound. I was just watching it a little bit, like, without sound for, like, ten minutes. And then after a while, I was like, oh, this actually looks interesting. Might as well uh, might as well pay for this or whatever. Uh, so, I, you know, so you had to pay for it, get the headphones, put in the headphone jack. It was really annoying. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I remember thinking, like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah. This is actually, like, the, the racing seems kind of cool. And then, like... It's really cartoony and comic. It feels like a comic book a lot of times, but it it's also got some uh, some more emotional scenes in there. And I, yeah, I I enjoyed it, but it was on the plane, so it's more like between two events of pure eccentricity in my life, where it's like I don't know what's going on, you know. Traveling sucks, but uh, the next time I saw it was at Dan's house. Dan got a, a 4K uh, projector, and he used this movie as uh, the first movie to like test it out for a big movie night. It was a really fun time. I finally got to see it in like all its bright, vivid colors plastered on the screen. Um, and, and I enjoy this movie. I don't think it's particularly great uh, watching it this time around with my kids, because I, I was like, oh, I think this is kid-appropriate, right? And yeah. I was kind of mis- so, sort of. And then there's like a random torture scene and they get out like all those guns and it's sort of goofy. Yeah. And then becomes sort of like, like, I don't know who this movie is for and it's always confused me. Like <laughs> when I'm watching it, I feel, I like, I feel jolted. Like at sometimes it's like a cool, like just as cars are going to go fast. And then there's like these, this big father son moment. And then there's going to be like a ninja fight where the dad's going to throw the people over his head. And it's going to be like, like really a pizza pie. And look, yeah. And look like a comic while it's doing it. <laughs> it's like, I think all those things are fine, but maybe not one after the other. And then it kind of makes, and then like throw the kid and the monkey in there. And it's like that. I don't find them like, I'm not appealing. I don't find them appealing at all. I don't really find them very funny. My kids love them, but it's like, I don't, so it feels like part of the movie's for them, part of them is for me, part of them is for, I guess, our ages in between. So I'm not really sure what this movie is doing or who it's really working for, but I do enjoy some parts of it. Like, a lot. I enjoy some parts of it a lot. I'm not sure if I... I don't really think I enjoy this whole package, though. I have no nostalgia right, for this like, movie. I saw it for the first time uh, two nights ago. That was the first time I ever saw Speed Racer. I remember when it came out, I was like, isn't that that anime thing, which I have also never seen? And <laughs> mm. I was like, that's weird. Why are they making... I mean, I guess it makes sense that the Wachowski, Wachowskis are making an anime movie. I had no desire to see it. I didn't see it, and I haven't seen it, and I am now 31, and I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Like, I, I actually... I kind of enjoyed this movie. I'm hey, very cut, surprised. I'm here. I'm, I'm totally great with hearing kind of enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I'm like sort of, sort of like, is that actually like kind of fun? It's kind of like, is it okay if I Did say I that enjoy I, myself? I, I had a little bit of fun watching this movie? I also don't really know who it's for, like in terms of an audience, uh, other than like the creators, like the people who made this movie. Um, it seems like this is a movie that they made for them more than anything, which is kind of cool. Something that I kind of like, I really respect, even if it doesn't all the way land. And there's some things where it's like, oh, that's probably because like it was in the anime, mm. like the kid and the monkey. I imagine the, kid and the monkey and like had the something uh, to do the, and... the 
the the fight that they have. Remember when they when they capture the guy and it's right before they go on the icy roads, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then they have like the little like showdown Ugh. in the fight there. I was okay, like, if there's one thing that I hated in this movie, it was that fight. Yeah, it was really bad. Like, that was the only thing that I was like, this should not be here, and I'm angry that it's here. That's the only thing. It, it goes on for a while. <laughs> it goes on for a really long time, and it was just yeah. like a stupid decision that they made. They were so far ahead of the other guys, they should have just kept going. Yeah. Dumb. It's true, yeah. So I don't I, think we're, any of us are even saying different that. things. Like, we're all <laughs> saying the same thing. Like, yeah. certain parts of this movie are really cool, and other parts, yeah. like, suck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, is that is that is that inaccurate? No, I think that I think that's about it. Some parts are cool, some parts suck. Uh I think we should get into some nostalgia here. I mean not nostalgia, right. some favorite scenes here. Hey everyone, jumping in real quick to tell you about something I'm personally very excited for. It's SIRS Furniture. S-I-R-R-S Furniture. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for a long time, then you know about Sir. He was, we did the, the crossover with the uh, Before Sunset trilogy. He's been on a couple of our episodes. I've been on a couple of his. Um, he's a dear friend. And he happens to make, besides a fantastic podcast, beautiful, custom-made wood cutting boards of, of whatever flavor of wood you want and whatever kind of design you want. It's It's beautiful, custom work. And with summertime coming up, I know that I'm going to be out barbecuing. I'm going to be out going to birthday parties. I'm going to be going to a couple of weddings. And it's sometimes hard to pick, you know, what to give somebody, uh, what to give a friend of mine. Sir's Furniture is your one-stop shop for cutting boards, charcuterie boards, coasters, anything that you can really think of that is handmade, handcrafted, and designed woodcraft. You've been using a small plastic board for years, you know you have. Or, you know, take a look in your kitchen at those dried out twigs that you call cutting boards. And go to sirsfurniture.com, S I R S furniture.com slash NYFM, and check out the wide selection of beautiful handcrafted wooden cutting boards that are on display there. Now, listen, let me tell you a little bit ago when. Mike welcomed in his third child to the world. Um, Jesse and I banded together and we we pitched in on on one of the big Bertha, I think it's called the Martha of the, the cutting boards. It was big, it had a nice channel around the side and we put Mike's last name right in the middle and this board was gorgeous. I was upset that I didn't have Mike's last name so that I couldn't just keep it for myself. It was the single most beautiful cutting board I've ever seen. So that whether you love to cook, barbecue, or just need that perfect gift, Sir has what you need. So for 10% off, use our link, Sir's Furniture. That's S-I-R-R-S furniture.com slash N-Y-F-M. That'll tell him that we sent you. Go, speed, go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my, I, I have to say when I was talking about pure cinema, it's because of the final, the final end of the final race when, when speed is coming into home and, you know, up until this point, the movie has been treating the individual races and individual, individual moments as like, he's got to get through this section, right? We got to get through this part of the track because there's these things going on. And here's this like great set piece. Like you're either in the desert or you're in the ice or you're like in the opening one racing against the ghost of your brother. Like there's always something to beat. 
And what's so crazy is that he gets through all this adversity, overcomes every obstacle in his way, corporations, everything that could be stacked against him. And the final bit is like he's transcended. He's almost like elevated up beyond them. And even the announcers are like, he's he's got it locked in. Like we've never seen anything like this. And you see him just blowing. He's in a pure flow state, just blowing past everyone. No one can touch him. He's literally invincible. He has ascended to the level of the greatest racer that has ever lived. And it becomes it becomes almost hysterical. Like the movie almost can't contain how excited it is that he is here. And it pulls out like every visual stop that it can to the point where it becomes almost completely abstract. Like there are moments where he's just like he runs across. He's just in space. He's just driving in space. And then everything's moving like watercolors behind him or like oil on water. And it finally ends when he goes across when he goes to the finish line, you see the white and red checker as it swirls in a tunnel around him. Because he's spinning. Yeah. In, in his glasses. Really cool. yeah. You can see the reflection and it, it becomes so delirious that I, I felt truly transcendent in that bit. And how it's flashing to every moment in the movie that was about this, that got him to this point. And it felt like a pure sports movie perfection. Um, and in a lot of ways, it felt like almost like filmmaking perfection. And, and I got to say, like the emotional ride of it, the crescendo just got me. And I and I, I was tearing up, and when he finally stops, and the the, the front tire is dripping rubber, <laughs> I was like, "Yes, <laughs> speed!" <laughs> um, felt like I was on speed. Uh, it was. There are very few scenes. You in and Emil Hirsch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> low blow, but yes. <laughs> there are very few scenes in any movie that has made me feel that way, um, and that combined with the that stellar intro at the beginning again where he's racing his brother just feels like there's moments where this movie's reach uh not only not, actually meets its grasp in a really special way it reaches its grasp that's right that's it does right. its reach does not exceed it actually like trans it almost like it transcends its grasp yeah like it if, go much it, further if a hand is reaching out for another hand it doesn't grab a hand it grabs the universe yeah. you know <laughs> um, yeah that's how i felt that's how it made me feel. That's that's my favorite scene. That's cool. Um, J- Jesse, do you, do you have a do you have thoughts or do you have a favorite scene? Uh, I mean, I I basically like any of the scenes when they're when they're racing. Like uh, maybe especially in the middle portion when like speed is jumping over everybody, and <clears throat> or when like all the teams are after them. That's probably my favorite section. It's just so wacky and weird. Like there are the desert, all the, like the desert racing scenes. The yeah. desert racing scenes that there's like so all wild. these different, like very specific guilds of people who are all very similar. Like I don't know the Viking guild. <laughs> so I love why, those guys. Why is there a Viking guild? I don't know. But that, what is this that, weird future world? And they have like way bigger weapons than everyone else. So like, yeah. all right, my car is just a hammer. <laughs> I promise I'm not going to cheat. But literally, my car is a hammer. <laughs> like I, I like how funny and goofy that is. I that's the sort of zaniness I'm I'm looking in a for in a movie called Speed Racer, um, and then you know, and then they proceed to to do all those maneuvers around them and jump around them and like bring out the flails and smash each other. It's so much fun. Um, it's like, it's like watching Mario Kart, the movie, but with yeah. like more realistic people, I guess, slightly more realistic people. And then every time a car blows up, that person just sort of like bounces away in a bubble. 
I love that. It's so great. No one dies. Everyone lives forever. It's bubble, wonderful. Bubble, 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 bubble. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so video game-esque. In some ways, I kind of just wanted this to be a giant video game. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of corporate intrigue. Um, I'd like to get into that. Uh, actually, you know yeah. what? Sidebar. I'm sorry. Just going just gonna to split the nostalgia real quick. Um, I think the biggest problem with this movie is that between the, the Cracker Jack opening sequence where we introduce Speed, his family, his brother, his brother leaving the family, his brother's death, his rise, and then him chasing his brother's ghost, I think it's like incredibly well done. Yeah. And it's a really beautiful streamlined like 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, and after I, that, they're like, yeah, no, all right, here we that. go. Really? Why? I don't like the way they intersperse that with the racing. Um, oh, like whoa, I kept what? The- no, I I kept on either wanting to follow what the the race or or the, the the flashbacks, but the way it cut one made me unable to really fully get into either one. And, oh, and showing I, this... I was invested because it cut. I felt like it kept building the tension. Yeah, because, like we kept not getting to the end of the story on either side. Like I I I actually really dug it. I was going to say, I thought that that was what yours, when I was reading yours from over here, I thought that you said that that was your favorite scene. Well, it was combined, then, it was combined just because yeah. the, because the racing. So you, you picked for the favorite, your favorite scene, the beginning 20 minutes of the movie and the last 20 minutes. Of the well, because of how they rhyme together. Yeah. So like, okay. Because each that's one. That's not fair. Because each that's one. That's not fair. I made the Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. Because each one is about how speed is really. It's it's the resolution of the movie. It's the whole yeah. point of the movie. Yeah, is the yeah, beginning yeah. is he's chasing his brother's ghost, and at the end, there's no ghost to chase. He's just going as he's chasing himself. How fast can I actually go? Yeah, he's beat. Yeah, yeah. yeah I am yeah. Speed Racer. My name is literally Speed. Is speed no middle initial Racer. <laughs> I enjoy that concept. I I don't like the talking head cutaways oh, that they're I love constantly that. That's doing. So good. Like there's no reason to see a talking head. I'd rather see the race and just have the voiceover. I, I think the talking head actually adds in like not only a layer of of intensity to it because you're seeing the reaction to people so you know how important what's going on is. But I also like the fact that it, it start it feels like a real race. You know, it feels like something that we'd see, but it's also crossed with this crazy anime style. I just yeah. thought it was just original really original way to show this and to build it but so that's interesting because i do agree that it's like it's original but there's also like a familiar i felt that there was a film familiarity that it caused like this movie the whole movie it's completely original it's like wildly visual and stuff but i also felt like it was so familiar like you knew what everyone was going to say before they said it you knew what they were going to do before they did it it was really like weird the way that it did that and part of it was that sort of cutting away that's pretty archetypal like all the characters are pretty archetypal. Yeah, the, yeah, the characters mm-hmm. are archetypal, but like the, you know, it's visually like, wow, it's an extravaganza for the eyes, but also like they're doing very familiar things. Like yeah. even at the end, speeds like not looking at the track; he's looking right at the camera. Yeah, you know, as he as he's going, and that's like, uh, it's it's visually archetypal. Um, you know what's happening, and I felt, I felt the same way with like the the introduction. It sets the whole thing up as like. This is an archetypal story about like a kid trying to match up to like his brother and his father and like meet the, you know, meet the expectations and and maybe match them. Like that's what he thinks he can do. I loved it. I thought it was it, the tension was so like strong and full throttled from the from the get-go. 
But if it didn't, if it didn't work for you, Jesse, I just yeah, it, it made me just feel annoyed the way it just kept switching. I I just wanted I just wanted to see the race to be honest. That's and fair. then it was that, more. That... Maybe it's more annoying because I was also watching it with my kids, and my kids kept saying, w- "What's what's going on?" Like, now we're back to the brother. <laughs> oh now, yeah, we're back here. And then that would be like, annoying. Oh, he's racing! All right, is he gonna win? Is he gonna win? And then it would cut. They're like, "Dad, what's going on?" I'm like, all right, so now we've gone back again. <laughs> I know this is time number five, but hold, hold with this race. It will conclude eventually. <laughs> It just it became that is far annoying. more irritating. Because I've I've never watched this with anybody. I've never successfully convinced another human being to watch it <laughs> in the same room as me. Um, despite having asked my wife like, oh, four or five times and actually watched it in her presence two or three times. Um, <laughs> like she was there not looking at the screen. Uh, <laughs> so I've never had the experience of sharing this with a human being, much less a child. So... I can definitely see how that is radically different than my own viewing experience, which is like locked in eyes on the screen. Um, totally, totally buying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, asks maybe... the question, like who, who the hell is this movie for? Exactly. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> I, I think it's only for the creators and, and Mike, I know you said that was awesome earlier, but I'm going to say, I think that's very unawesome. I think if you're going to spend, like a hundred and twenty something million dollars. I think it should be at least for one group of people out there. All right, hold that thought. That's a question, and we're yeah. still in a sidebar. If oh, you yeah, remember. Right. Oh yeah, we're deep in the sidebar. <laughs> the sidebar. We are so deep in the sidebar right now. So I'm just gonna say uh, I don't remember what the original point of the sidebar was, but I'm gonna just say it's concluded right now. It, it, it was for the opening scene. Oh no! Yeah, right, right. Okay, no. And we got derailed because of that. No, what I was building towards is that I think the biggest problem that this movie has is that after the opening scene, there is no racing for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Is that then we talk about the family and then we meet this new corporate guy and then he eats pancakes and he wants to buy the pancake recipe and it's for this new line of royal food. Like everything is so detailed. Like they want to sink you in this rich world. But I'm like, no, the world is not rich. This world is shiny and plastic. Like, let's just accept that and move on. There's no grit here. There's no depth. I want it to be surface level and smooth, just like a racing car. Just let me like ride the lines, man. Don't get me mired in this shit. And it finally pulls itself out. They go to the training center. They get the tour of the training center. We go to Spritel and the monkey and they eat all the candy. And then there's the whole intrigue of them trying to hide from the people because they shouldn't have been there. Like it's Mm -hmm. so long. And it's not until it finally gets to speed turning down Royal that the movie kind of kicks back into gear because then he says, let me tell you what's going to happen. And he does this. And then it gets cool again. It gets so cool because he's narrating what's going to happen as we're watching it happen in real time. So that when he gets to the end of his speech, what he said is going to happen is already over. And then Speed leaves that and steps forward into the movie like three weeks. Yeah. And it's like one of the weirdest time shifts I've ever seen. But it's so weird that it's like a, a magic trick on my brain every time. Because I'm always like, I remember that sequence as being really cool. But did it happen? It did. It's kind of like cotton uh-huh. candy. Like it's, it's really like it made me feel really happy. Because <laughs> it's fluffy and light. It's really fluffy and light. It's like, oh. I thought we were going to have to go through all of that again, but we didn't. It's like, but it's like they learned, it's like they made this movie 
starting in the opening scene yeah. and then made it chronologically. And they realized after filming 20 minutes of Royal Industries and the Racer family that that was boring and that we need <laughs> to kind of jump ahead again. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the biggest flaw in the movie is that for 20 minutes, I am extremely bored. Uh, and that shouldn't be the case. This movie's called Speed Racer and it's over two hours long. Yeah, if if you so had speedy. like if you had had like a couple scenes of him rejecting the guy and then getting back to races and maybe over twenty minutes finding out about the how corporations work while in the races and seeing how all the corporations interact with the racers while they're racing, I think that would have been far more engaging. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't really mind the Royal, Royale, whatever they are. I didn't mind it that much. I, the only thing I like of that is the bad guy's speech. Who's yeah. like, you think that you can turn this world this down and, and think you can I, win? You won't win. You won't even place. <laughs> You're like, this is evil. Yeah. You're a bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, so my expectations were like as far down as they could be. Like I had no expectations for this movie. Thanks, Mike. I've just told you I loved it a lot and it meant a lot to me in my life. I, and I thought it was I really good. I didn't know that. You, would never, you didn't push this movie on me. Ever. I made it. I made it part of the series. I you was, did. And I was like, okay, Vito has like a love for this weird movie that I thought that you were like, this is a bad movie, but I love it. But um, that's fair. But so my expert, and so like when like with the Royale scene, I was like, this is weird. I don't know. I got no <laughs> idea if we're ever gonna get back in a car again. <laughs> I guess we're gonna do corporate intrigue. Does Vito just really love corporate intrigue? And then we get in the episode, and I'm like, no, it's for the shit. first twenty minutes. That's the only reason I love this movie. <laughs> Wait, no, but so so my least favorite scene is that scene in the. Uh, after after the mountain before they go in the cave like it's stupid it's oh, stupid wait, that's another wait. 10 minute that's stupid i want to ask oh sidebar within the sidebar oh 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 okay jesse of those are either of those your least favorite scene or part of the movie or do you when have they a go third into the cave? no like the fight between like when they go down the mountain and when they go into the caves you know the hand fight that and they the snake have? oilers like catch up with them you know, I have never minded the fight. It just came across as really stylized and silly, but I don't hate it. Oh, I hate it. It, it does kind of slow things down. Like, I wish, like, basically, I just wish the whole movie was almost nothing but racing. <laughs> <laughs> I think any time that's not happening is probably my least favorite part of the movie. So, sure, the fight <laughs> kind of the fight kind of fits into that. But, like, but yeah, because it's not racing. As soon as they're on the road, I think this this movie is really entertaining. Okay. But so, I have no So which one do you hate more? As soon as the rubber hits the road, this movie just sings. Yes. I, I think that's but which but but but, but which but which do you hate more? My the, hated part or Vito's hated part? You made this really competitive. Ooh. Oh, that's tough. That's or do tough. you hate a third thing more? That's even tougher. It might be a third thing. There, there are moments where they're not where they're not racing. There's that weird. <laughs> there, there's a really weird part where there's a torture scene all of a sudden, and my kids oh, yeah. are in the room because I had assured my wife this is definitely kid friendly, and here they are like, smacking a guy around, like torturing him, and then about to put him in the piranha tank. Uh, but then it turns cool because a car shows up, and as soon as that happens, it instantly becomes kind of awesome. And the car is like dodging all the <laughs> missiles, so I love that. I love the coloring in that scene; like it looks noir, but it looks techno noir. Yeah, you know yeah. the guys with the, they're like they're Tommy guns, you know, at the side of this car. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that. 
It's like hipster um, noir. <laughs> man, uh, I, I don't know. Guess, maybe I guess, we should come I guess back. I hate it. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to come up with something definitive. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't like the, the corporate intrigue as much because it's just like, oh. Like ah. I, I kind of don't care. I kind of want this movie to be about winning the race and not about trying to defeat the big corporation while doing that. This has real like Star Wars Episode One syndrome, where they're like, you know what's interesting about a galaxy far, far away? Taxes. <laughs> Taxes. The Senate. The Senate. <laughs> Trade yeah. federations. Okay. All right, I'm I'm done with my sidebar within the sidebar. All right. We're incepting these sidebars. All right, we're out. And we're then done. you got to you got to come out oh, of your sidebar. Right. All sidebar. Right. Uh, Do you have a favorite scene, Jesse? Yeah, I listed my favorite scene. It's, you did. it's it, uh, it was yours. The crazy desert thing. Oh, the yeah. desert. It was yours. Yours next. I, I split yeah. your guys oh. in half by my sidebar. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, then my favorite scene was coming down the ice mountain. Ah, I love that. Oh, like that's like great. when they're outside, not when they're in the in the tunnel, which the I tunnel think is pretty was cool, cool too, but it, it wasn't, it didn't last very long. It was like a little underwhelming for what was supposed to be like the most dangerous part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like there were other more dangerous parts than that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love I, when he comes out of the tunnel and he falls down the cliff and then he's able to drive back up the cliff. Yeah. That he jumps great. and then he gets, uh, he gets like right on snake oiler's ass. It's wait, is awesome. that coming out of the tunnel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets run off the road. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe my memory's not, because I was thinking that that was before the tunnel that he got run off the road. I think I, think I don't know. Snake Oiler drops all the snake stuff oil on the mountain. The tunnel. Cool. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, because the tunnel is really yeah. important because he entered the tunnel. That's where his brother died. That's where his right brother died. Entrance yeah. Of the tunnel. Yeah. 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 And then somewhere near the end, Snake Oiler drops the oil. He zooms out over the edge of the mountain. He drops I... it like venom. All right. So one other complaint I had about about the movie is I kind of wanted to know the whole time, like, what is the scope? of this track that we're on, like how far are we going? Where are we at in it? Like, this is a race and I want to know exactly what's happening. And I know no, no, you, 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 you don't get to know that. No, the that's whole like, world that's become... against that. The whole world's against that idea Yeah, is because they're like, it's like a, they know they're in a cartoon. Yeah, Everyone knows they're in a cartoon. That's why like when, in the beginning, when little speed brings the bomb to his dad's garage and there's like the quick cut, of of, yeah. of his older brother like breaking the broom handle and wedging it in his toy car. Also, he can drive a toy car in city streets and pick up his little girlfriend. It's That's great. It's a cartoon, right? It's so amazing. like the, the rest, it goes as long as you want and people die. That's the Or they don't yeah, die. Their but, cars die. But I would prefer to know what the end is because there is an end. I know there's an end because there's a finish line. There's, there's a movie for you. It's called 4V Ferrari and it's about a race that has a definite beginning and end. This is kind of there a There are uh, lots kind of, of races wishy-washy. with definite beginnings and ends, and I wanted NASCAR, this to be one of them. Um, some some movies in the Fast and Furious franchise. Or, or frankly, <laughs> not all of them. Any I'm pretty video... sure most of them don't at this point. <laughs> the, yeah, first most yeah. <laughs> the first one. The first one. But this is reminding me of Mario Kart, and even in Mario Kart, which is another cartoon, very literally, you still know where you are. I think they wanted you, know, you to be more involved in the emotional stake of speed. Um, than in being distracted by counting laps or something. It's about the journey, not the destination, Jesse. The no, destination is actually been, his catharsis. 
this movie's very much about the destination of the finish line. I'm just going to say that. You can't but say it's not, it's, it's not because, because there's no definite... Like, they don't, you don't know where it is. They never tell you. It's not they, about that. They get, they get there. They go through, like, there's, there's things. Like, you get there. You're going... It's like a cross-world tour. They start in, like, I don't... Like, the whole world... It's, it's some, like, random future where all the world is either... Like, it, all the tectonic plates have shifted and... Did we see one poor person in this movie? <laughs> No. <laughs> like, is there, is there one normal person? Is there, there's not even one normal person. Yeah. Everyone is either like a gangster or a, or a racer. Yeah, it's very weird. It's a weird world, that's for sure. The world of rocket. I still wanted to know where they are on the track, and that's and all that's I'm fair. saying. That's fair. You can want that. You can want that. Obviously. Clearly. Either way, the ice mountain keep is saying really it cool. Too. No, I'm not. All the I'm parts not. of the ice mountain, except for that stupid fight. Uh... That, yeah, it was cool. Again, again, I think we're all aligned on that. Yeah, I think we all. I think we all wanted like all more. the flipping over and like mm-hmm. knocking. Like I when he uh, when the snake oiler gets like his car up on top of uh, Trixie of Trixie's and the, car. The, the car, wheel, the car and wheel. the wheels are coming. And she's like freaking out, and then Speed is able to like knock him off and does it and backwards. Does the same thing to him, <laughs> but then instead of knocking him off the track, he just goes. What I love about that is that the guy's like crying. Yeah, it's <laughs> he's, so- he's like, he's like, <laughs> he throws the snake back. Wait, is that when he throws the snake back? At some point, he ha- he has someone literal snake, throws a snake that yeah. he throws at someone. Like <laughs> these these guys, like really, they must have really active Pinterest boards. You know, they are really into their aesthetic. They know what they want to do. <laughs> you guys remember when they throw the whole beehive? Yeah, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> they loaded the bee. Someone had to load the bees in the car. It's like, all right, this button is for bees. <laughs> Press B for bees. <laughs> oh, that's so great. It was great. All right, I, so I, I do want to. I do want to circle back around to what what I, I stopped us from talking about. So Jesse, you mentioned the uh, the budget on this film was 120 million dollars a truly extravagant amount of money back in 2006 and seven yeah. when they were making this um, it made total 93.9 million quite a flop uh, Wachowskis are, are are no stranger to a flop most of their projects have been have been fairly substantial flops because they're fairly original filmmakers that don't really care. I mean, they made this movie to appeal to a broader audience, but by that, they just mean that they didn't make an R-rated movie, which they'd never done before. Um, so in that way, I mean, we have Spritel, we have the monkey, you know, trying to appeal to a younger audience. It's very colorful and fun. The dialogue is easy and uncomplicated, but the structure of the film is quite taxing. Um, so when we're talking about who is this made for, I think... I don't know if we have an answer to that question, but I want to ask a side question that might tie into that. Okay. So just like we were talking about when we were talking about speed with Keanu, um, they don't make them like they used to. We, we cried from the rooftops. Where's our mid budget action movies. Um, and we kind of answered it there, but a side question to that is in a world dominated by IP and this is IP too. It's just Mm -hmm. not very well known IP. I mean, it's who's watching 1960s anime or reading 1960s manga is an uneven but original approach better or worse than an even-handed corporate one like we've seen with our rise of superheroes? And I feel like that's kind of what Jesse's talking about when, like, you need to have an audience. Well, is it is the product, the art, better 
when it's made for an audience or is the product or art better when it's made according to the creator's wishes? That's the question I want to ask. Anyone um, can tell. I mean, but this is made according to the artist's wishes, kind of to the point of self-indulgency. Like this, it, I think that's, that that seems to be the issue to, uh, for me because this, this super colorful world just seems to, um, it seems to bend unflinchingly to um, the creator's will. Um, and it's like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think <clears throat> art, like anytime I've, I've asked somebody like, how do I create something? Somebody's advice is always like, have somebody in mind for that. Right. Like uh, have an audience in mind for it. Uh, if I've ever wanted to learn how to practice things, because like, it's either like blatant self-expression, and I think blatant self-expression is fine. Um, but if you're going to make something for an audience, I would imagine that you should probably have an audience in mind when you make it. Otherwise, like, like movies are for other people, right? They're not just for yourself. Maybe I, maybe I, I'm totally that, wrong that, that about that. Be, that should be stated as a question as well. <laughs> I feel, I feel, I feel like we're opening a, a the 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 jar on a debate that's been going on as long as people have been making things. Oh, like, what is, do it what is the purpose of art? Like, why do we make things? Is well, Hold on. I'm, I'm not saying things in general. I guess I did state, I stated that earlier that people had told me, like, if, for instance, when I say I want to write something, I said they said I should have an audience or whatever. But that's clearly not all art. But I'm saying for movies, it's made for movie theater. It's made to fill up a room of people. So it, it should it? be for people, shouldn't it? Is it? Because otherwise it's like $100 million down the tube or even $50 million down the tube just for yourself. But is it but, down the tube? I mean, that's $120 million that went to the writers and the produ- like the, the people who like who directed it and the people who like did all the um, like the the visual effects and like the people who like did the hair and the people who did the makeup and like that's that's money going to people like people like individual people work together to make a movie happen but and then the movie didn't make money back to the studio right like it's probably we probably don't have like i'm i'm creating clearer paths and lines than I can, there really yes. truly I can are see that but, that's a that's i can see that a distinction okay but, but the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is like the, the people who make less money off of movies in general when movies are successful are also the people who make monies whether or not a movie is successful. Right? Yeah. The, like the people who really suffer at the end of the day are the ones running the business that is making the art that they're selling as commerce. Which is why the Wachowskis, Wachowskis keep making movies and keep getting a shot at making movies because every once in a while they'll have a hit that makes mm. millions and millions of dollars even though they've Seems lost like The Matrix 1, 2, 3, and 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think every single other their, uh, other of their movies that they have created themselves, not produced, I think have all been flops. Yeah, but I, I guess sure. what you were asking, Jesse, like I, when you're when you're saying like, is a movie for somebody? I don't know. Is that I don't see that in the definition of of a movie. Does it have to be for someone? Can it just be? Yeah, it can. I I think it can just be. I, I mean I might not like it. A movie plays <laughs> a movie plays as an empty movie theater. Is it still a movie? 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it plays in an empty movie theater, and then there's all these people that have worked on it, and it's for it's for nobody. Like, it seems like there's, like, the difference between, like, a, I don't know, writing a book and and making a movie is that writing a book you can just do for yourself. You can. You can write a book for yourself. And I think that, uh, and you can be the only person that will read it, and that will be fine because nobody else even contributed to it. But the second you let other people in on it, then I, it, I feel like their work also needs to be honored and needs to be seen by others, and you should let that shine. And if but you're going to make is, a big it is, event, isn't it? Not if, not if the movie is just for you. But but it's going to be released. Okay, okay, okay. So so when someone hire okay, so so if we're making a movie <laughs> and you, you want to make a movie and you want it and you don't want to release it to theaters, you want it to be just for you, okay? Okay. Then you're I'm gonna making have to my pay movie just people. for me. Yeah, but just for okay. you, just for you to see. You are still gonna have to pay people to help you make it if you want help making it. Or you have to convince them some other way, some other method of payment, whether it be emotional payment or not, right? They're still going to get something. No one does something for nothing. So they're going to be paid regardless of whether or not someone sees their work. There's no responsibility on your part to ensure that because you hired someone, their work is seen. You paid them. It was a job, right? You paid them to help you. Their job was to help you and they've been compensated. So I don't really see the responsibility there for their work to be seen. I mean, I guess if you, I, I, I feel like I mean like, okay. So I don't think the Wachowskis made this movie and like I don't want anyone to watch this movie. I don't want anyone to ever see Speed Racer. I think they were like, hey, we like this movie or oh. we like this story. We like this IP. We have an idea and we want to go balls to the wall with it. Like they go crazy on this movie. They make a ton of choices and like. That is something that I respect like more than anything else in a work of art is like someone really truly trying to represent their ideas and and give them to people and hoping that, you know, it resonates with other people. And if it doesn't like, well, I, I guess it's a swing and a miss, um, but, it but it's a swing. It's to... a try. It's an attempt. And they're not like it's not like they're just like sitting in a room and like, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to get all these people together to put like all of their artistic work on show. And we're not going to show to anybody. That's what, that's what studios do do. Like sometimes they'll, they'll like, yeah. that's what, I mean, so like Top Gun Maverick, that's a freaking fantastic movie. Tom Cruise shelled that movie single-handedly for years. How many people's artistic work went into it, but he shelled it for mm -hmm. years. Like, like that, that's what, what studios will do. That's what like people will do. Like mm -hmm. that's not what the Wachowskis did here or Warner brothers who has, who have like backed them for forever. Um, but so I, you, I feel you, like, you like this is kind of, kind of a, a, a straw man argument here. Like that they were making is like, no, the question isn't like, Oh, is it better to like make something for no one to see or for everyone to see? It's like, no, I, I feel like the real question is, um, is it better to swing and miss than to uh, just, uh, pander to the crowds. That's what I feel like the question is. I mean, that, I think that's a slightly separate question. And I, I think this question totally evolved to, to a weird thought experiment where there was a man in a box just making a movie for himself who apparently is a multimillionaire and is paying people multi-millions of dollars to make the movie for him, which I think I in just, that case is totally justified if you actually have that much money. I just um, wanted to bring I just wanted to bring that up because I wasn't sure what your thought process was. That That's the, that's the reason I, but, I was talking about that. Okay. But even Mike, even in what you were saying, you you said that they had to make the movie for for people. It, they were looking to resonate with people, um, 
and if you're going to look through all, yeah, I, I think yeah, all I, art I, is a communication. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a communication with with others, and not just not just a communication with your with yourself, which is why self indulgency in art can can feel like far less of a communication and more like just you see somebody's mess on screen, which is not not what I'm looking for. I do want the communication aspect. And this is where I feel like the movie's breaking down because in this, I the communication is just, it's simply not there. There does seem to be parts shoehorned in here, specifically like Seidel and the, the monkey. Like, I don't know what they're doing in here. They seem to be for kids, but the whole movie is not really for children. My children were actively bored. And yes, that's only like a couple kids, but like, uh, the, the the corporate intrigue uh, is just that's not for kids to understand or get into. I don't know what kids gonna find that fascinating. If they do find that fascinating, they will probably love the Phantom Menace and find the the political intrigue in there too. I mean, the, I I think the Phantom Menace is like a fair uh, analogy for, or comparison to this movie because I I find the audience split pretty pretty even-handed in both like no i don't understand why you're making this movie other than just for yourself it seems like a person trying to communicate with yourself which is i guess what uh what my problem is with it i i think that's i think it's complete i i think i understand what everyone is saying here and we're, we're the only pushback of course because we, we're agreeing like 75 percent, which is why we're arguing <laughs> right um if we completely disagree then we'd be like all right well fair fair enough uh no is that I, I also, to Jesse's point, I don't think the Wachowskis know who they're making this for, but they know that they're making something entertaining. And it's just when they're not doing the set piece thing that we're having trouble. And But what they're doing when they are making something that's entertaining and is, is infectious and joyful is something next level. That, yeah, that, that's what I, I think is going that. on here. And so I think it is excessive. Uh, I don't think they're communicating well, but they are trying and it is original. Yeah. I, I think also, I mean, I don't know because I never saw it, but I imagine that some of those things that I did not enjoy, like the kid and the monkey and stuff, like that's stuff that probably in the cartoon. was probably in the cartoon. Oh, I hate yeah. The, I'm sorry. I, I did look sorry. it up and in it the definitely anime. is. Yeah. So, I mean, like from a IP perspective, like... We're having the meetings, like, how are we going to work on the monkey and the boy? And they're like, okay, we got to yeah. flush them out. Do they need their own C plot? Well, sometimes. So let's have them watching the cartoon and, and a they certain do the way, little fight, you know? In a certain way, like, like the things that we like the least about the movie feels like, well, okay, the whole, <laughs> I feel like the whole, like, going to the corporate, like, overlords and, like, walking through Royale or whatever it is. Royal. Royal. Yeah. Is like uh, that was probably an episode or two. Exactly. Of, of, it's of like the, the, the show. biggest problem like with this is that it's, the, it's IP. <laughs> yeah, the biggest problem is that they, they like didn't swing hard enough mm. to make a movie that to to or like either that or they were too like either they didn't swing hard enough and break away from IP and like maybe that was a, a studio like like forcing them like no you have to do exactly this this is what people are here for. Or it was them being like, no, we love Speed Racer and we got to make sure we've got these things because they were important to us in our childhood. Which So either it's too little or it's yeah. too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, so there's no one there's no one that can it can be for. Yeah. I, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Jesse? I mean, I, 
I mean, we are kind of mindlessly speculating at this point. Yeah. We are. We are very mindlessly speculating. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's the studio's fault. But also, sometimes we, we make the studios out to be the big bads. And I don't know. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're the ones that really push for the movie. Yeah. And made the movie good. I agree. Um, sometimes. So I, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it definitely doesn't happen. I don't know. So the, I think this is like wild speculation at this point. So all we can work with is is what's presented on the screen. It does seem, having seen The Matrix, it feels very much like the Wachowskis. It feels very much like, uh, it, it does feel like their movie. It does. Um, and also it knowing it, if they've it had doesn't feel like they... I, 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 I would, I think that this is frankly more, more them than this is anything else. Just having seen a few of their other movies that don't land for me too, and is totally them. I'm just going to, uh, real, real quick but here. Again, um... baseless speculation. Who knows? Because I didn't watch a single YouTube video about this. So of their movies, so they start out, they wrote Assassins, which is, was quite successful, but is a pretty shit movie. Um, fit made, fit made for 50 million, made 83. Their second movie bound budget, 6 million box office, 7 million. The matrix, 63 million box office, 463 million. Matrix reloaded 150. Box office, 742. Mm-hmm. Uh, their far and away biggest hit, Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Revolutions, again, 150 million, 427 million. And that is the second highest. No, second highest is the Matrix. Third highest is Matrix Revolutions. They have never reached that height again. Um, ever. Everything that they have made has been under $200 million. And almost every single project. No. Jupiter Ascending. B for Vendetta, which they uh, which they produced, made 132 off 54, and Jupiter Ascending made 184 off 176. Still technically a flop. Mm-hmm. Um, Matrix Resurrections 190 million made 156 million. Every movie is a disappointment, if not outright losing money. Yeah. Um, and every one of those movies is weird and has a lot of cross cutting and like. 40 characters like cloud atlas cloud atlas has like 70 characters all played by the same six people (laughs) across like a millennia of time yeah uh the most expensive independently made film ever made um yeah wild yeah Yeah, i think my biggest complaint with speed racer 2 is how it's cut like i don't like how it's cut throughout the movie and i feel like if it was cut differently this would be a different experience and a much better movie it might be, but I have to say I like I like it because it's cut so weirdly. Like that that's actually a big plus for me. But I can I can see why someone wouldn't like it too. It makes sense. Yeah. Um Same here. But Mike, did we let me see. Let's let's circle back because I did kind of push your question aside about the pandering versus the other one. I, I maybe I, I phrased it uh violently. Uh, <laughs> oh no 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 no! I, I love the phrasing I just I didn't even attempt to answer it yeah yeah what do you think of that like what's better to make a creative flop or a pandering success ooh straight up what's better yeah my favorite movies are, are creative flops I'm, I'm solidly in that camp yeah like 100% it's not even difficult for me I like I like seeing something that's different than what I've seen before and that's just really what it comes down to I like I I like a mix. I think, yeah. I I'd rather watch which... a bad original movie than a good stale movie. 
or not stale, a good sort of like pre-planned. I, uh, you know what? You know what I'm dancing around? I'm dancing around saying Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I just it's didn't funny to say it first. <laughs> well, you can say Marvel, but also like we were just talking about speed and about 90s action movies, which are all basically pretty similar and are oh. a pretty cookie cutter format. But you know what? I really enjoy them. Um, they were they're Marvel made, before made Marvel was Marvel. They're made differently. I don't know if why. you'd say they were Marvel. I don't think that's true because they're they're all they all have distinctly stylistically different approaches. Oh, that that and, part is true. They are more stylistically diverse. Yeah, and that's that's what I appreciate. They don't feel so so of the mold. I guess. I feel like one of the things that I don't know. One of the things that I like about them is they're not self serious, and that's one of the things that I dislike about. Marvel at this point is that it feels like they all take themselves very seriously while also like delivering throwaway lines. And I don't know. I, yeah. That's going down another rabbit hole. I, I, we're 30 something's bitching about Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm more interested in watching movies like this than I am in watching the next Marvel movie, even though like might not be as good of a movie in sort of the, every technical aspect is, I don't know. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I haven't seen it. I've got no idea. Um, but this movie has heart. He's got a lot of heart, man. It's very sincere. Yeah. Super sincere. Even if it's like also cheesy, full of trash. Even though it's sometimes like cheesy garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's why it's so interesting to talk about. I don't know. We didn't solve anything and that's okay. Well, we did argue. We did argue. We did. So so wait, Mike. I'm I'm guessing you're in the the critical flop category. Yeah, I I think I think I mean like. But you love speed, maybe. which I think is in the pandering category. I don't think that's pandering. I don't think no. I think that pan like something that's pandering is something that's like, I don't know. Um, I don't think that any. I don't think anything like speed had been done by the time speed came along. And yeah, it was a mix. It was it was like some of Die Hard in there. But it was like, it's on a bus that has to keep going 50 miles an hour. No one had, that's an original idea. It's, a, it's Yeah, it's an, yeah, it's fairly original. And like, it's also, it's not like, oh, this is the, you know, this is important. It's like, no, this is, this is a fun action flick. And I mean, like, I, I guess what I think of as pandering is like all of the Disney plus like Star Wars shows that are coming oh, yeah. out. Like taking, taking this IP that was important for people. And like giving you giving you the story of why Jack Sparrow has his hat <laughs> and like all of mm. that bullshit like that's pandering. It's like, oh, yeah, like you uh, you. Uh, hey, Tumblr, like you wrote like this canon or like this this like uh, fanfic. fanfic about this. Like, guess what? We're tying it into the show now. You you can see your idea like that's that's pandering to me. Not um, not like here's. Not like Moonfall. Moonfall isn't pandering. Moonfall is stupid. <laughs> Moonfall is stupid, but it's not pandering. I prefer to see something stupid than something that that is like, oh, it's all right. You're you're smart. You're 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 smart too. Like, no, don't. I mean, that's a good clarification because I would have thought Moonfall did fall into that category, and it is another movie trying to start an, a whole entire franchise. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Wow. I, I, I haven't, I haven't seen haven't it. Actually I seen it. <laughs> yeah. I, is it, well, is it... I, I, you know, I'm not going to confirm whether or not I have seen this movie, but I do know for a fact it's trying to start another franchise. 
But is it a pandering franchise? <laughs> you, you, know, you know what's pandering? You know what's pandering? I'm just going to shout this out. It's the Gray Man. Netflix's, uh, Netflix's $200 million approach at launching a franchise complete with the writers and directors of the most successful franchise of all time. Starring one of the stars of that most successful franchise of all time. <laughs> that feels pandering. That feels like a business that, strategy. I put okay. money in. Isn't money going to come out? See, this this is, that's kind of what I thought. Uh, but then Mike is, is Mike changed the way I was thinking of pandering. Because then he said, it's basically like toying with your nostalgia and toying with, uh, I guess Marvel does the, the self-aware serious thing, which kind of, toys with with the tropes before a little bit not much but it just has them and then it breaks the fourth wall acknowledges them then moves on um i guess that's what you were kind of calling pandering and uh but but yeah i i would say the gray man and anything that's like this big budget super cookie cookie cutter formula is kind of pandering and i would include speed in that too i know the very premise is that that particular premise might be original, but that's like the only thing. And that's what it seems like makes these big mat, uh, action movies um, kind of so enjoyable in what they are. It's like you could have like the same sort of dialogue happening with the same sort of character and the same sort of villain, just put them in a slightly different situation. And then, and then that's your movie. I, I think we're gonna have to call it here. Cause I don't, I don't really know how we can, cause now we're going back and forth on examples and we're not, actually tackling the subject because the subject is really difficult and we don't have the answer for it. Well, right uh, now we can I, I'm diving into we... exactly what Mike means on pandering, but now I think I, I understand, but now it turns out we have totally different ideas about pandering. Well, I think because we have deep seated feelings about what we're talking about, but I don't think that we're going to be able to come to a resolution. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to say I'm totally okay question. with pandering sometimes. I'm totally okay with it. Uh, there, are, I, there are other criteria for how how it's done. It it should be well made, and besides that, that that has to be taken per movie. That's where yeah, I, that's I firmly where I land on. I guess I'm I'm totally with the the pandering camp. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we all understand where we're sitting because I I don't really want to advocate anymore for what I want because then we're just gonna be fighting more. And fighting's fun. Don't get me wrong, but unless we know there's a finish line. <laughs> Then it's not fun. It's about the journey. Then we're just and it's also bickering. about the destination. It does matter who wins because that's how <laughs> it I know. I know we're all trying to get in ending <laughs> statements here. Everyone's clamoring to make sure everyone knows where they stand. We know. Everyone is aware. But oh I was no, happy I, to I'm hash done. It out. I'm done. We're all done. I'm done. I'm done. We're done. I, Jesse. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I get the last word in. I am done. I was finished like five minutes before you were finished. <laughs> anyway. uh, is there anything else to talk about in the Speed Racer that Absolutely you guys wanted not. to talk about? <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I'm really glad we had this conversation, though. This was this was fun and enjoyable. I had yes. no idea I, where I, else we would have it, but it's so great that we had it here. I saw it like we were at 30 minutes. I'm like, I don't think we've got anything more to say. Like, what more do we have? And look at that. We've got another 45 minutes. That's incredible. It's just because there was this... this Fucking bombshell at the end here. We're just like questioning how we approach art. <laughs> these are bad. I, I should emotional. never write these down. <laughs> I got very emotional when Jesse was like, "No, you got to make art for other people." It's like, no, I should. Oh yeah, been, like... I saw. I saw your eyes light up. <laughs> what? Uh, we'll have to touch back on that after we've had some more time to think on it. Um, 
Let's ask our final question. Ooh. Oh, and also when S slash F will show this to our kids. Oh, yeah. uh, let's do it speed round style. Uh, when F, I'll show it to my kids. Yes, I will show it to my kids. Uh, anywhere between nine and 17. <laughs> I have no age range because I don't know. Uh, speed round, Jesse, when if? I, I already did. And, uh, you know, they were they were three and six. Sort of enjoyed it. Uh, we're never going to be watching this movie again, I think. Michael. Um, I feel like I want to see this in a theater with my kids. Like, I want this to go back to theaters, and I want to take my kids whenever it's in theaters. You know, in about six years, we'll have the 20th anniversary, so. And they'll be about the right age. And they'll be about the, the right amorphous age. age. <laughs> <laughs> and no one will think about this movie at the time. That's no true. No one will, will be like, oh, Speed Racer's 20th anniversary. Let's go watch it. Although the ring will probably put out like. The ring will totally talk about it. Is Speed Racer an underrated rewatchables? <laughs> I would rewatch this. Yeah. I would definitely rewatch this movie. This is fun. I put it on just to like, like I want to show my kids like clips. I want to show them like check out this sick scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have rewatched it. This is my third. I'm not sure if I really want to see it again. I think it's done. I think, I think ran, we can lay Speed Racer down. In that case, Jesse, is it a dad movie now that you'll never watch it again? Oh, that's a great question. Didn't think about this one. You know what? I'm going to say I don't really think so. Um, I think it's got some great moments. Um, I don't think it lit. It's got some attitudes that are very dad. The whole the whole wacky race, I think that's very dad. I, I just I don't think this movie is put together well enough. I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think I really want it to to live in my household. Like I, I don't care enough about it to call it dad movie. So I'm gonna say no, uh, Mike. Yeah, I'm struggling too. Like John Goodman, man, he is he's a really good dad, and like the mom's a really good mom too. Like they've got a yeah. good family, and yeah. he learns how to communicate in a more healthy fashion between his eldest kid and his second eldest. Yeah, that, and it's like yeah, it's. That part's we didn't talk about it because it's just right there, but like the entire family dynamic is really neat to see in this wacky, weird movie. It's like this is a normal like we've got all this weird shit going on, but like these people are just good. They're just good guys. That's it. Yeah. I like that. I dig it. And like the dad works through shit and like the son works through stuff. Like everyone was working. And they always things. respect the dad. Like, yeah. Like, and he's trying and they know he's flawed and, and they try with him. Yeah. You know, Pops, I think you're wrong about this. Pops, like, you really should reconsider. And he does. He does. And he talks to them about it. He's like, hey, thought about it. And, like, I've changed. And I'm working on myself. I'm like, that's cool. I like that. Um, But it's yeah. also, like, a we Like, I don't want my, uh, my kids to be like, oh, Dad, it's like that time in Speed Racer. Like, that would be <laughs> weird. No, like, I don't. I'm just other things. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. Dad, you just changed your whole mind just like Pops does. (laughs) I'm gonna jump in really really quick. this is not a dad movie for me. Yeah. I like this movie a lot. Uh this is not a dad movie. Yeah. I don't know if that helps at all, but like Jesse's ambivalent, and I'm firmly like this movie means a lot to me for what it is. I think I'm the only person in the world besides the blank check podcast and their guest that sees in this movie what I think is in this movie. Like you, you see, you see it too. Maybe as much. I don't know. 
I don't know I, how much you see it. I don't I, know. Like, there's a good bit in this movie. It's there kind is. of and like it's it's kind of about like art. Like, like it's really beautiful. The conversation that that Emil Hirsch has with Susan Sarandon. I don't remember. Speed has yeah. with his mom. Yeah. Like when she talks about like watching him. I was like, holy, like that was, I've had similar conversations with my mother. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's really weird how emotional this movie made me because I watched it late at night. I was very tired. Maybe that's why. But like. <laughs> now that you I'm, say that, yeah. I'm weirded out by this movie. Um, yeah. It made me feel feelings. I dug it. I don't think it's a dad movie, but it's something that I'm going to take with me for sure. And I am going to rewatch. It is special to me. Yeah. It's special. To me. So thank you for, uh, for having us watch this weird ass visual masterpiece. I'm just, I'm just glad. I'm just glad I, we could talk about it. And I'm selfishly happy that I could talk about it for just, for just a bit. And thank you guys for being in, for being good collaborators. Yeah, this is fun. I mean, I, I do enjoy speed racer. I did not hate this. I did not hate it at all. I did not hate this, Sam. I am. <laughs> the CGI holds up too. Like it looks good. It does look good. Probably because it's I'm not trying to be. I mean, the brighter it is, the better it looks. Right? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is so fake. It's great. <laughs> uh, well, from all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Movies. Please let us know what you think about movies and our discussions on our Twitter at NYF Movies on our Not Your Father's Movies Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram or email us at notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This podcast has cost us a lot of time, effort, and money. Please consider contributing and we will start sending you monthly newsletters, our bonus WhatsApp episodes, and even an NYFM mug. We hope to hear from you soon. Lastly, thank you to Max Augers for our awesome theme playing right now, and to Andy LaFave from Don't Dance for the remix that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Thanks again for listening to Not Your Father's Movies.